because I'm on beard number three. <laughs> it's I didn't tell you beers. that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the beers that you haven't been drinking since we haven't been podcasting our regular schedule. Can I just tell you, I had to go buy beer. <gasps> like I had to go buy it to make sure I was ready. Like I had to go to this liquor store today before the snowpocalypse. Oh, to that's sure. Right. There is something that happens in me the worrier the panicker in me that has been raised by parents who are older than most generational situations that make me need to go buy things that don't there's no need for but i'm just like but what if i don't have the beer i don't really drink a whole lot of beer but now like what if i don't have it i'll need it I gotta oh, did you it. also like go buy milk and cereal <laughs> oh i i would guess I got milk and cereal. <laughs> I, I bought I kept going to the cheese section, and Chris was like, we got cheese. I was like, but do you got this cheese? He's like, it's only two days. It's two days that the snow might happen. You know how to drive in snow. And I still was like, I need to buy cheddar slices now. <laughs> I, just, I, wasn't, I wasn't relieved until I bought cheddar slices. And then also he and I got all frontier women on this shit because we definitely are, we started a sourdough starter today. <laughs> making buttermilk bread and the dough's currently rising <laughs> yeah we went a little off the deep end and there's p.s it's just you know activities to do together it's a good thing and i really appreciate that chris encourages me to do things that involve you know using my hands and trying things that i'm not normally into like baking so i'm trying stuff but at the same time i definitely i was like i feel like we need to be ready in case the power goes out. Like that's like, I just go to this place. But you so don't silly. have like a, a wood stove to cook no. your bread. If the power I, comes out. I live in the city. The power lines are underneath the road. <laughs> I have gas heat. Everything's fine. I don't understand. <laughs> I just lost my shit. <laughs> but you know what? I got enough candles. This, this house is going to be lit. <laughs> Anyways, I'm done. I'm done. But I definitely had this moment today at the grocery store when I was like, do we have this? Do we have this? He's like, I'll get cold cuts. Calm down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have I bought deli meat in the last year? No. <laughs> but today's the day. I had to lose my shit. So, welcome to episode 12 of the Stitchcraft podcast. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode number 100 of my neurosis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did oh, I work from one. home to avoid the snowpocalypse? Sure did. <laughs> oh, I'm dying. Okay. Anyways. So what is beer number three? Beer number three is from Surly and it is called the Hell Lager, which I just smacked my lips too. I apologize. <laughs> I just definitely went. Sorry, people. Uh, I love the line. It says, finally, a surly beer my German mother will drink. Like, how delightful. Oh, the sour, uh, our bread is risen. I think it needs to rise further. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I, Chris literally came in, held a giant bowl up, and, and went, 
Yeah. He said yes. I love that he knows not to make a lot of noise, but mm-hmm. I appreciate that he needed to show me that things have risen. He's very involved. Anyways, I appreciate it. Island, what's in your cup or in your can or bottle? Oh, it's, it? it's a bottle today. Um, mm-hmm. And today is the uh, New Glarus Scream Double IPA, um, oh, which yeah, actually yeah. you brought me um, mm-hmm. from the last time that you went to Wisconsin. Um, so yeah, it's just, yes, yes. The motherland. I have, I have another thing from the motherland that is not a beverage to share with you guys today, but yes. So, uh, this is, yeah, it's a double IPA. They have a bunch of, um, a description about the way that they made the beer, um, which is, uh, in black font on a red label and I'm having a hard time reading it. So I'm just going to say that it is delicious. It is as strong <laughs> as two beers in one. Um, and yeah, it was a, it's a good warm up to the podcast at long last. It has been a while. So I appreciate uh, you bringing it, bringing it strong with a well, double IPA. Especially strong in my Wonder Woman koozie. I saw that. Who doesn't need a Wonder Woman koozie? I don't even you know, know where my husband got this from, but when he saw it, he was like, I had to have it. Had to buy it. Had to. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You did. (laughs) I love that, like, I was obsessed with koozie life living in Los Angeles. Yeah. Probably because it was warm. Yeah, it's too warm for beer. But now I have this gentle, light, three-finger grip on all (laughs) beers here in Minnesota. Because I'm like, it's plenty cold. Put it down. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your koozie, though. I do. I do, too. Good gift. Yes, love it. So you already you already reflected a little on some of your uh, crafty activities. Yes. Well, you know, I'll I'll add only because uh, the spirit is within me, and by that I mean alcohol. I will literally spirits are within you. <laughs> spirits within me. By the way, I do have to add this. So last week, Chris and I were at the liquor store, and, and you know, Chris just recently started working at a really nice craft beer bar called Republic here in Minneapolis. And, you know, it's waiter life. Like, you go in and out of opportunities and places, and you try lots of things. But it is interesting to see him get into craft beer, because craft beer is so strong here in the Midwest. It's not like that down in the South. Like, the South is a little bit more of a cocktail place or a little bit more of a light beer place because it's so warm. So he's, like, he's really embraced learning about it. So we definitely went to the liquor store to go buy some more local beers and to try them out. Um... And while we were at this liquor store buying some beers, there was a girl there selling vodka. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, it was a taste testing. So we walk in and having a taste testing of vodka at like noon is a little rough. It's just a little rough, but it's, I appreciated it. It was great. But her vodka is called Her Spirit. Ha! I like it. And I, I know, I was like, oh. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. Like, it took me a minute. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. And I just, like, looked at her like, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. And the reason I bring this up is that her profits, 50% of her profits goes back to uh, funding entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs. And so I thought that was really cool. And she's, and I asked her, I was like, oh, is this small batch? Are you done here in Minnesota? She's like, no. I'm not small batch. I'm trying to make this 
I'm trying to make this project happen. And I want to make sure that I get the, the cost that you are used to. So I got like, you know, a bottle for like 18 bucks mm -hmm. and I expected it to be way higher, but it wasn't. And it was great. And she was like, it's distilled in Indiana where a lot of people distill mm -hmm. vodka and whiskey and all these other places. And she was like, but I can still a hundred percent give back to my message right away. 50%. I can do it. And That's I was like, awesome. all right. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. But, um, I just thought you'd love that it was called her spirit. Absolutely. Cause I was like the spirits within you. <laughs> oh my God. But, um, okay. Yeah. I was talking about the spirit being within me and talking about, Oh, the beers hit. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> but I, the whole point was that the spirit was in me, her spirit, the vodka, we're done. Anyways, I'm going to wrap that up. I'll stop. You can edit this out. <laughs> I won't be doing that. I'll just remind you <laughs> of the prompt I gave you the first time, which was, hey, Miranda, you had been talking about some crafty things that you've been doing. And by crafty things, we have many crafty things. We have some witchcrafty things and we got some cooking crafting things. I like it. Uh, so first, I'll, <laughs> I'll add into this. Um, I've been taking a little bit of an online course with a friend about chakras and learning about what the hell they are. And this is also a good friend of mine that uh, we read tarot cards together. So as the snowpocalypse comes across Minnesota, I've asked people to, you know, send their questions to me, ask me questions, and I'm doing free readings right now because that is like my jam. And sometimes I get the feeling to do it and sometimes I don't. But I love, I love helping people uh, get a different perspective. They might not choose what I say or, or listen to what I say, but it is fun. And then on a more real level, or real, it's all real, but on a physical level, I am definitely doing a sourdough starter. And I'm scared to death of how much my house is going to smell. And James Beard, in his book, Beard on Bread, has said <laughs> it's going to stink to high heaven. So I'm a little nervous. But <laughs> and, it'll be uh, delicious. I Sourdough so. bread is worth the smell. I mean, I, I hope it's also worth the work because you have to feed your sourdough. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to feed the sourdough. Some places are saying, like, a couple times a week. Other people are saying every day, eight mm -hmm. hours, every eight hours. And I'm like, oh, this is like a child. I'm going to have to do that. So anyways, those are like my current crafty moments. Well, so I have a question for you about um, one of your crafty things, which is mm -hmm. if you're doing readings, is that something that you would open up to our listeners? Absolutely. I am all about it because there is something about offering readings to people there's a it, it's a weird thing that I don't, I don't i don't know maybe other people feel this way too but when inspiration strikes or like you have this feeling of like i want to give back to others or this this want to connect with people i think is what it really is or if you can sense that there's a big feeling out there of people wanting to talk about their problems or connect or or anything that's when i get the feeling to do it it's usually like a few people will reach out to me and be like, Hey, are you giving readings? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And it just kind of like spirals out from there. Yeah. Or other times where I can just sense that people are saying or feeling things that I'm like, Hey, if you want an outside opinion, we can read some cards and tell a story and change your, not 
change your mind, but give you a new idea. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it really is. So if readers want, or readers, listeners, readers, whatever is out there, if anyone wants to um, ask a question, they can totally send it to us on Instagram or they can send it to us uh, via our website as a comment. And you don't even have to see it. Like, or, sorry, you don't have to worry about it being published. I can just see it myself. And we yeah, can. Yeah, that is one of the nice things about um, the website. So uh, we'll post it on Instagram and people who want to ask uh, for a reading on Instagram can just do it in the comments under the post. But yeah. on our website, um, any comment that you make on the website only shows up to us. It doesn't show up to anybody else unless we publish it. And uh, we can just say that for this, we won't publish it. It'll just be a message yeah. that comes to us as a comment on the blog post that'll be on the website. Um, and then we can respond to you from there. Um, so the website is stitchcraftsisters.com and I'll have a link to it in our Instagram uh, bio as well. Yeah. No, that's good. And I, I probably will offer, I'll probably offer readings more often now that I'm thinking about it. Like it's spring fever's hit. Lots of people have uh, questions and ideas. People start changing jobs and shifting places, moving places. So I'll probably offer it a little bit more often, but I'm open to it. Or maybe I need to do some tarot card readings for what crafts people should do. Mm. That would be wild. Really knit it all together. To Literally knit it. Two point two find a point on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Clearly, oh, I don't haven't be had sorry. enough to drink because I'd be making better jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Island, I, I I do love that we're uh, we're matched up on this. We're finally being able to talk, and I feel like it's been a couple weeks, so we have a lot to go over. So sure. here we are. Beer, no beer. We'll enjoy this. Um, so my project's kind of clear on there, but, uh, what about you? What are you working on? Uh, I have, I have both been making and unmaking. So, um, yeah. So one of the things I partially, how Mercury retrograde of you, I know, right. My Mercury's (laughs) in lemonade and I had to undo my sweater. Uh, Mercury's in Gatorade. I was just trying to figure out what I was doing, but just kidding. It's in Gatorade and lemonade. I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I had mentioned, uh, on previous episodes that I was participating, I am participating in the Wong Along from the podcast Inside Number 23. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I still giggle. I, You know what? The beers are allowing me to giggle out loud. Normally, I'm, just shrugging, <laughs> I'm usually just shrugging my shoulders, like quietly, like my mom. <laughs> 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 Vibrating. Just, <laughs> uh, so the Wong Along, continue. <laughs> Yes. So um, our our intrepid listeners would remember that from our last uh, journey that I had finished the back of the uh, T-shirt that I'm making, which is the mm-hmm. Edie, uh, it's the Edie T-shirt sweater by Michelle Wong. Um, and I was so good. I uh, followed the pattern perfectly. Because you are practically perfect in every way. <laughs> I am a rule follower. <laughs> and um, so I did the whole back and then I held it up and I'm like, God, that seems big. Not that it seemed too wide in the body, like the body width seemed right for me, but it seemed mm-hmm. too long. And in the picture, Ooh. like the, um, the, the picture that uh, shows you what the pattern is going to look like on a model it had not a cropped feel, but like a, 
a slight, like not a long feel. I don't know how to describe it, but it looked like it hit about the top of the hip bone. I was going to say high hip, maybe yeah, a little high, boxy and fit. It was a high hip boxy fit. Exactly. And Why do, girl, I feel you. Mm. <laughs> love that. Love that shit. So I looked at it and I was like, that looks like a half over the butt fit. And that's not what I was after. Mm-mm. So I measured it. And sure enough, uh, on me, that's exactly where it would have come down to. And I was like, oh, man, I must have messed up something in the pattern. So I went back to the schematic that comes on the pattern that has all the measurements of each. The nice thing about Michelle Wong's patterns is that, um, you know, she's a very good She's very good at technically showing you what she wants you to do and then technically describing what she wants you to do. So it's mm-hmm. easy to follow even if the pattern itself is difficult. Um, so on the schematic, it included measurements for how long the hem should be and how long the body up to the armhole shaping should be and then how long the armhole shaping should be. Like It was just all measured out. And uh, turns out I had made it perfectly. I just never bothered to read the schematic to see whether or not I would like a sweater that looked like that. Well, like, I, I, ooh, I'm confused now. Like yeah, you followed, so it, what you it, followed means, it perfectly, but does that mean the model photo was incorrect? No. So what it means is that when you, um, the model, they'll tell you uh, the size that the model is wearing and how mm-hmm. much ease is in that sweater. Right. That the model is wearing. So in that case, um, the model was, you know, I don't know, five foot three and wearing a size 34 bust, let's say, with two inches of ease or something like that. Or no, she's wearing, well, whatever it was she was wearing, it was basically um, she's wearing the iteration of the sweater that was like the second smallest size. And the sweater comes in like, six or eight sizes. Mm -hmm. Well, when they scale the pattern up, not everything gets scaled exactly proportionately because knit stitches are not perfect squares. Knit stitches are rectangles that are taller than they are wide. And so in the grading of the pattern, there is a jump between the first two sizes, the second two sizes, the third two sizes, and the fourth two sizes in terms of the body length. So it meant that the body length went from, you know, let's say 11 inches to 12 inches right at the cusp of the size that I was trying to make. And the model had the next size down. So it had the look that I wanted. And if I had read the schematic before I started, I would have figured that out. I would have looked at the schematic ah. and said, oh, the schematic says that the whole back is supposed to be like 24 inches long. And I would have been like, 24, that's really long. That's not really what I want. And I could have made an adjustment, maybe. I probably would have been, say. I probably would have been scared to make the adjustment. I would have made the whole thing anyway, and then told myself that I should have made the adjustment, and then had to unravel it anyhow. And so, here we are. And here we are, <laughs> whether I read it in advance or not. So the question for you: This is like a big. I mean, you're a really skilled knitter. Where does one like? Does it go from the bottom up, the top down? Like how? Where are uh, you going to redo? So I, I can show you what I redid, and I can tell you what I redid. So. Um, the way the 
the shirt is constructed is like Miranda was saying, it's a boxy fit. So there isn't any shaping in the body to like make it follow your waist. So it's basically a rectangle from your hips to your armpits. And then there's shaping at the armpit um, to help accommodate your shoulder moving around. The shape, yeah. And then uh, you kind of seam it off at the top and you're good. Can I add a little side note for people who don't sew or knit? um, Armholes are created with round shaping. Mm -hmm. And adding adding to a, a half circle or removing from a half circle creates an opportunity for you to prefer, like, you know, make a better preferred fit. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that is a really tough area to try to modify. So it's awesome that there's the distance from the armpit down to the hem is straight. That's rare. That's exactly. awesome. And that's what, that is exactly what I was really grateful for. So basically trying to modify your armhole shaping is totally doable, but that is an advanced skill. Mm. Modifying- and you, and you have to know your body. Right, like I would have to know how how my shoulder, um, the, the height of the top of my shoulder to the bottom of my armpit, which is actually really hard to measure because anytime you use a tape measure, you're gonna be getting the circumference of that and not the radius of it. And the radius of it is what you need so that you can plan your, right. your shaping. So can I a, give? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I got so excited. I have you to give a little nerd bit. Now. I'm nerding out about this stuff. So I will give a really simple thing for a lot of women out there who might not know this. If you didn't go to, uh, to art school or if you don't know a really crafty knitter, but like the distance from the top of your shoulder Mm-hmm. to your armpit mm-hmm. is the same distance as from the top of your armpit to the bottom of your breast. What? Generally speaking. Yeah. Surprise. So generally speaking. Oh, does that make my life so much easier? Feel it. Do you feel it? <laughs> I do. It, yeah. Surprise. <laughs> so, oh, art school this, kids, they know useful stuff. Sometimes. I mean, occasionally I can't, I can't do taxes with it. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Got to hire someone to help me with that. But the point is, it's like visually it's true. It's not always true, but it is pretty much a given. And so that's why like there's girls out there who might be really hard to measure your armhole or to understand that like the, uh, and again, it doesn't measure it for you, but it does let you know how to accommodate your body. Does that make sense? Because like, you are going to need more fullness in your armhole if you have a fuller breast. So like you just need to know that distance is going to be different. I mean, I'm not saying we're all there yet, but that's also the reason why you might have a problem buying standard size clothing someplace because these armhole measurements are based on a standardized bust depending on the fit model for the brand in which you wear. Yeah, that's true. And that's really hard for larger um, larger, uh, breast women versus smaller busted women. Absolutely. And you, you definitely hear a lot about that in the, um, the hand or I wouldn't say necessarily hand sewing, but the people who sew their own clothing, like the sewist community will talk a lot about, um, modifications that they make to make their clothes fit better as well as, um, 
how to measure themselves so that they can predict whether or not a certain pattern is going to work for them or if they'll have to make modifications. And all of that um, is super cool. It terrifies me a little because in knitting, like for this, right? Like I made, I wouldn't say I made a mistake because I did do exactly what I meant to do. And then at the end, I looked at it and didn't like it. And so I was able to unravel it, right? Like, so when I'm done remaking this sweater, nobody will ever look at it and know that I had to make any changes to it. It will just be as if I made it the way I wanted it the first time. When you sew, that's not always true depending on uh, if you had more fabric to redo, retry the thing that you tried before, um, or if you if your craft is you know high quality enough that you can make it invisible. Um, and my craft in sewing is not like that. <laughs> my sewing looks like it was real hard. And like, <laughs> it was very difficult and it took all the skills I had um, because, you know, I wanted my mom to have that pillow. Like it's not, my sewing skills it looks, are not there. It looks like you made an agreement with the devil and the sewing machine. You guys all like shook hands together and were like, we're going to do this. Gonna do it ain't going to be good, <laughs> but we're going to do it. <laughs> and that's how my seaming used to look in knitting as well. Um and then I found that uh, there's a, a knitwear designer named Amy Herzog, who is amazing for a wide variety of reasons. Um, but the thing I'm most familiar with her uh, for is that she has these tutorials for how to do seaming, like how to set in the shoulders of your knitted sweater or how to do different types of shaping so that it fits your body properly. Mm -hmm. um, and when I followed her videos, my shoulder seams look like they were machine knit. They look oh. really smooth from following cool. her instructions. It was awesome. Um, and I'll just throw out a little shout out to her in general here. So she has a book that um, has become really famous in, in the knitting world called Knitwear Love. And she really focuses on... Uh, learning your body so that you can make garments that you like how they fit as opposed to looking for how you can like how you can either make your body look different or how to try to make yourself fit miss standard you know um, and she also has a cool. a software program that I am forgetting the name of, cause she's a, she actually works in math. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the software program that she developed, but you can, there are um, people who design for this software program where if you pick a yarn that you like, you can knit a swatch that is a large swatch so that you can measure your gauge on it. Like mm -hmm. how many rows and how many columns of knitting you can get with that yarn. And then based on your hand tension. Yeah. Based on how you knit and then right. you plug that into the software that she has and it will generate a pattern for you. Holy, holy. Yes. 
Wow. And I wish I could remember. In fact, I'm going to look it up right now because I'm, I'm super embarrassed that I don't remember I, the name of this because it was really famous. I do have to say this. Like, there's moments in time where you hear about someone who's really crafty. You hear about something or a product, an app that is just beyond words, like just so helpful. And you're just like, oh, I wish I had that idea. Or that's such a good idea. We should totally do that. I am also just blown away by ideas that I've never, ever, ever in my mind was like, you should, this can be made. This can be done. Mm -hmm. Like, I really feel like a man has walked on the moon. Like I'm witnessing that. Like, yeah. oh, you put your own tension, your own spin on this into how you knit and it'll spit out a pattern. That's craziness. Yeah. So it's called. The only. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so you were going to say something. The only thing. The only thing that can spit out a pattern that makes sense is like, there's a lot of older software applications in the fashion world that because they are based on machine knitting that is the only way that they can spit out patterns because there is a a number of variables that are completely controlled by a mechanical process etc cetera, etc cetera. do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that's what i'm just like mm -hmm. what your own human touch has been accounted for that's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. so the program is called custom fit and if you want to look it up, it's at uh, customfit.amyherzogdesigns. Her last name is H-E-R-Z-O-G.com. And basically, uh, you pick the yarn that you want, that you like. Uh, like I said, you knit a big square so that you can make accurate measurements of how you knit that yarn. And then um, designers can design sweaters in what's called in the custom fit program. So not every single sweater that exists on the planet is in custom fit, but oh, of course, yeah. Um, designers do design for custom fit, and then you just plug in your the way that you knit. You plug in your measurements, or they actually will also give you a pattern to CYCA standard measurements, the MIS standard, the Craft mm -hmm. Yarn Council of America sizing standards. So you can just tell it, I'm a size six or something, or tell it your measurements. Like my bust measurement is this, my upper bust is this, my waist is this, my back is this, my arm is this. And then it will generate a pattern that if you follow that pattern, it will make that, you will make the sweater that you want to make in the size that is right for you. Which, like That's you say, kind of, like, boggles my mind. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, A plus B equals C, and I've gotten nowhere near the idea of, like, oh, put in your custom measurements. Knit this to your own liking. That's just wild. It is really wild. Very yeah, cool. It is super, super cool. cool. Um, but anyway, back so to... So, back to okay. your project, though, and I do have a big question about your project. Now yeah. that you've done the back piece... And you recognize that you need to alter it. And yes. you've since revised it. Yes. How do you handle the front piece now? Is uh, it, what's the difference? What are you going to do? Uh, so the front piece, luckily, be, and this is just, this is just sheer dumb luck. I did not plan this out, but it's because of the pattern um, is the boxy silhouette. Mm -hmm. The front is almost identical to the back. The cool. only difference between the front and the back is that the front has neck shaping that comes mm -hmm. down further than the back neck shaping. 
but the body is the same on both sides. So I decided when I looked at the sweater, I meant it was too long. I didn't like how long it was. So then I went back to old sweaters of mine that I liked and found a measurement that I liked. And it basically involved me removing an inch of fabric from the body. So I unraveled before all of the armhole shaping. I went one extra inch beyond that to, to take that out. And on the front side, I can do the exact same thing because before the armhole shaping, the front and the back are the same. Right on. So that was just dumb luck. Um, it took me longer than I care to admit to figure that out <laughs> because, of course, the front and the back end up being the same, but the pattern isn't written the exact same way. No, so you have to modify. That's where I'm saying, like, you had to modify had, that pattern. I didn't have to modify prior. it. I just had to read it really carefully. Mm-mm. So I had to read the pattern and then figure out um, where there, where the similarities ended and then figure out if subtracting the same place on both sides would yield a front and a back that matched. And in this case it did. I think um, that's not true for every sweater pattern. Um, the other thing that I did to make sure I was doing the right thing is that I took sweaters that I liked and I measured their armhole length because the error could have been in the armhole distance. Mm-hmm. Like the armhole distance turned out to be too long or the error could have been in the body. And so when I measured my favorite sweaters, they had an armhole distance of seven and a half inches, which is what this sweater is. So the mistake that I made was not in the armhole. It was in the body. Luckily. Luckily, yeah. If it had been yeah. armhole, I might have just frogged the whole thing and started a different project. Because <laughs> I don't know I, that like, I would have felt confident to try to change that. I gotta say, though, that like you worked so hard to double your yarn to make this yarn work. Like You've done so many modifications already that I'm just like, ah! Let's just be real. Those are, those are my choices, right? You know, like I could have done the, the truly uh, safe thing and bought the proper yarn for the pattern that is not discontinued. The yarn for the pattern, widely available, widely available. It's a Brooklyn Tweed loft. So Brooklyn Tweed is a yarn that um, is a, uh, very popular. So it's American wool. I think it's Columbia Targi wool that is from the U.S. It is um, dyed in the wool in the U.S. It is spun in the U.S. It is, and it's, uh, it's beautiful. America. <laughs> it's beautiful but... and it's available. It's widely available. So a lot of yarn shops have it and you can order it online. So let's be real. When I decided to go back and, you know, double my lace weight yarn to use up what I had. That's a choice I made. That's not sure is. Yeah. Uh, It's not like I worked so hard at it. It was, you know, a set of spurious Uh, choices that um, (laughs) led me to this point. I just wanted to make sure that we gave any listener the full flavor of the, of the decisions that you made. Yep. That is to unravel a pattern of double weight yarn. It's just, that's, uh, 
I don't I even knew, knit that much. Oh God. <laughs> I knew that if I, cause I've done this to myself before it, I have knit something, got halfway through it and done that. This is a classic human thing is that you make a mistake and then you double down on that fucking mistake. You're like, well, I'm, I made that mistake, but I can't acknowledge that I made that mistake. So I'm just going to, I have to keep going with it. I can, oh. I can't admit to myself or anybody else that it was a mistake. And then you end up with, and then I what spent another like 20 hours knitting a sweater that when it's all done, I don't want to wear. And I've done that to myself. I've done it to myself. I did it um, a couple of years ago. I made a sweater that partway through just wasn't quite turning out how I wanted it to. And it was because I tried to use a yarn that did not want to be that sweater. Mm-hmm. This is not what it wanted to be, but I did it anyway. I was like, we're going to make this work. Well, you know what? We're not in a relationship. The yarn did not want to make it work. <laughs> it was not, that's not what it was about. And after all that time, I ended up with a garment that I still find comfortable and I'm still proud that I was able to mm. make something, but I don't wear it outside the house. Which is awful. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. I was like, I'm not playing that game with myself again. <laughs> you know? That is, it's, that's really bad. That's not good. That's well, this not is good. not to say that, uh, so when I, when I knit the, this sweater back, right, the one that we've been talking about, the ED sweater, um, and discovered that it was too long, I did not immediately fix it. I put it in the naughty corner. <laughs> to teach it a lesson about what it had done to me. AKA what I did to myself. I played myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously, I put it in a corner and I was like, you know what you did. Oh. Uh, and decided to make something else in the meantime. <laughs> I felt that if I willed spring to happen, it would somehow happen. And so I decided to make... Um, a headband slash ear warmer thing because well two reasons one that uh obviously it's a step down from a hat that's how midwesterners think about these things it's a step down from a hat is it a half a layer <laughs> step, like the three-quarter length sleeve exists just for midwesterners <laughs> it's just to make us and crops just for midwesterners nowhere else do they need it but us we're just like i just want a little bit of spring just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's basically what I did. Um, and so I made a, an ear warmer uh, out of the most comfortable fabric in the world, which is cashmere. Beautiful. I am the last person on the planet to realize how great cashmere is. So I I got this in a, um, a subscription service that I, I don't belong to anymore, but... I really enjoyed it while I had it. It's called Yarnbox. And there are a lot of subscription services like this where you pay them a set amount every month and they send you yarn from small producers or whatever their right, right. lady is. And in this case, um, Yarnbox really tried to uh, promote small, like independent dyers and things like that. So this yarn is um, Jade Sapphire relux light so it's recycled cashmere cool and in the ball it doesn't feel crazy soft it feels like yarn it's soft 
but when you touch a cashmere sweater, it's like remarkably Butter. soft, right? So you touch this ball of yarn and you're like, it's pretty soft, but it's not magical like that cashmere sweater I own. And then I decided to um, knit this headband. And so I started knitting. And after I knitted a few rows, I was like, this feels really nice. <laughs> it feels remarkably nice. And I think it's because it's recycled. So um, the fibers are a bit shorter and yeah. I held it double. So it's like extra plump and chunky. So there's air in there. It's so like mm -hmm. every time I squoosh it, I'm like, oh, it's so nice. Well, and you're also making it doubly warm. Yes. You know, I will say this about recycled cashmere. I had a big conversation with a coworker who used to work at Burberry and mm -hmm. he had helped manufacture a lot of the, ca the cashmere pieces that they have. And I, I don't want to talk too deeply about it because, you know, it's someone else's conversation, but he told me so much about how cashmere is harvested, the qualities of cashmere, everything. And the recycled, the idea of recycled cashmere is so great because the properties of cashmere, you're right. It is a shorter staple because it's been recycled there. Um, it is not what first quality would be, but it doesn't take away that it's super soft and it's unlike many other wool out there. Like wool fibers out there are all very different, but recycled cashmere, while it may not be virgin and perfect, is still beautiful. So I love that you got a recycled cashmere. I also love that you thought to double it up. This is like your theme right now. Apparently it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's because I want, um, The worsted weight, double weight. No, what? I want. Oh, what is it when you get something that you want really fast? Instant gratification. I want instant gratification. That's what I want. So this yarn, this uh, recycled cashmere yarn, is already a thicker weight yarn. So when I doubled it up, it effectively became super bulky, like mm -hmm. the chunkiest grade of yarn before you get to yarn that isn't actually yarn anymore, but just twisted ropes of wool. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I made this out of. And I've worn it a couple of times and it's super comfortable and remarkably um, kind of cute. So I say it that looks really because cute. Um, poor moi, I have a large head. Anybody who knows me knows this. And things that wrap around my head only highlight the dimensions of my head. <laughs> And so <laughs> I'm always really but, grateful when I can make something that doesn't make it look like I have, you know, an orange on a toothpick. Basically. But I'm going to say this because there's a rib pattern in it. Mm -hmm. It allows for dimension. It's not like one big piece of cloth. Do you know True. what I mean? True. That looks really cute. You yeah. should take a photo of it on because just in your hand, it just looks like an ear warmer. But when yeah, you put it, it like on. A, yeah, a strip of knitting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. I love that you put the other sweater in a naughty corner so that you can <laughs> so that you can knit something else. Like, don't get me wrong. This is like the this is the equivalent of every quilter out there who makes a bunch of tops, quilt tops, and then just says, "I'm done now," without the quilting part. <laughs> you know, like they make so much of quilt tops, and they're like, ah, "I'm 
want to quilt it another time. Because the most gratifying part is putting together all your pieces. Sure. Absolutely. The tightening up and the binding off. Oh, kill me now. Yeah. I For someone that I used to work with at Lucky Brand, she was like, yeah, I do all my quilts. Well, I do all my quilt tops and then I quilt by check. Yes. <laughs> she sends them off to other people. I'm yeah. like, well, that's some money if you can make it. You know, well, yeah, it. and I've, I've seen some um, shops that will do the quilting for you to actually make the quilt. So you sew your top part and then you just take it to the shop. Actually, I, I uh, used to live in a town that had um, a yarn store that had a finishing service. So you could knit all the pieces of your sweater and they uh -huh. would finish it for you. They would, for a fee, they wow. would seam it for you, weave in your ends, you know, because that's the, most knitters, um, they don't knit for the purpose of doing a beautiful job of seaming, right? Like that's not right. typically what they're doing it for. So yeah, I thought that was genius because that is, that is. if you're good at seaming, it doesn't take you that long. And for the quilting, Making the top is without question the most um, creatively challenging part. And so long as you know how you want the quilt to look effectively in the end, actually making the quilt doesn't take quite as long, I don't think. It doesn't, no. I would say like, yeah, the quilting for me, depending on the complexity of your quilt, or if you decide to hand quilt, yeah, it's hard. And it's, it's monotonous and you can't really watch television and do it at the same time. At least mm -hmm. I have not figured that out, but, um, yeah, no, I feel like very much knitters and quilters and anyone who has a handicraft that knows that there's always a back end that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're doing the first part because it's just a great outlet for things mm -hmm. that we don't have in our normal everyday lives. You know, if I quilted professionally every day, I'd hate it but there's a reason that we all do it in our downtime, you know, to focus ourselves and not be on our phones and et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. But that's really awesome though. There was just some place that offered a, a finishing service for sweaters and knits. That's, that's pretty wild. I don't think I've ever heard that before. I've definitely heard about quilting by check, but never a knitting by check. That is something else. That's yeah. pretty fucking cool. I definitely just swore. Apologies. Uh, I love that you apologize for that, but for not the first... all the previous times. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bear. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay. I'm not um, sorry. Not, you know what? This is the Midwest in me. I say I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. It's just, <laughs> a, it's a, it's a knee jerk response. It's like saying, excuse me. <laughs> My bad. It's a reflex. Like, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. I do want to cut to this um gold stars ah, are yes. you ready i am okay hit me because i i need a good gold star give it to me i'm holding my gold star which is ooh, barrett wool company wisconsin woolen spun it's a ooh. yarn that uh beautiful label everything about it is I don't actually remember how I came upon this. I think, um, you know, Instagram has like their little ads and stuff. 
So on our Instagram feed, they will suggest things to me that I might like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, no, now I remember how I found this. I was hunting for patterns for the Wong along and, um, I was starting like there's, um, so Brooklyn tweed that I mentioned before is a worsted or a woolen spun yarn. So mm-hmm. woolen spun yarns are not as commonly made as worsted spun yarns. Worsted spun yarns, uh, we can go into this in greater detail in a different episode, but basically they're smoother and sleeker and they have less air in them. They're more dense. Um, Woolen spun yarns have a lot of air trapped inside them, so they're very warm. They tend to be, um, I I don't know why they're not made as often, but I think they're not quite as um, appealing to some knitters because they don't necessarily feel as soft in the hands they're a little more rustic because the Mm -hmm. fibers aren't all pointing in the same direction they're not all uh yeah i hear you just saying they're not they're not directional they're a little bit more organic yeah so it's um all the fibers are going different directions and so that traps a lot of air so it makes them nice and warm but Mm -hmm. uh they aren't necessarily immediately appealing as like uh super super soft so um, Brooklyn Tweed is woolen spun. And then I had another wool that I really liked that was from um, a Michigan maker called the Plucky Knitter, who okay. had a woolen spun yarn that she was discontinuing. And I was like, well, I wonder where else woolen spun yarns, where can I get them? And on Ravelry, which we've mentioned several times before on this podcast, um, on Ravelry, you can just use their search function to look for yarn, wool and spun, and see what you get. And one of the things that popped up near the top was Wisconsin wool and spun. And I was like, oh, shit. My people. My people. <laughs> um, and sorry, sorry for all the Sideshow Bob uh, <laughs> laughter. I can't help it anymore. I got old and I started laughing weird. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> um. I have not knit anything by uh, the woman who runs this company before, Um, but she is a famous hand knitter, Susan Anderson. And uh, when I saw that she had this yarn, I went to her website and it's a kind of small batch. So there's always some available, but not all the colors are always available. And I got really fixated on this color Penny, which is a heathered uh, copper and yellow and brown. I got Beautiful. just super fixated. And I was like, oh, I want I want an autumn, an autumn cabled sweater in this color. And I wanted it real bad. Real bad. And I waited until she had an Instagram post that many colors were coming back in the shop on, you know, some Monday. And I fucking stopped that thing until (laughs) it came back. Um, And I'm super excited because, yeah, so it's um, wool that is, I believe the wool is from Wisconsin and then it is dyed and um, processed in Wisconsin. So it is a very small fiber shed and uh, the yarn itself is really pretty 
and uh, it's the same price as other nice yarns that you would get at a, a yarn shop. So um, it's not as inexpensive as what you might get at Joann's, but it's certainly not some of the you know artisanal prices that you would pay for um, yeah. super super fancy stuff. So for one for this this skein, um, it was eighteen dollars. And it's uh, so bulky though for 18. Yeah. So it's a hundred grams. It's a standard size for a worsted. Well, a hundred grams is a standard size for a skein of yarn. You get 250 yards, um, which is, you know, perfectly good. Um, and I, like I, but I'm saying, I think the the price is very fair for, for what it is. For how, uh, how tiny the resource base is that they were able to get this from and how uh, little um, subsidy there would have been for, you know, Mm -hmm. transport and trade. I think it was awesome. And so I jumped on it and bought a sweater quantity. That's my. Oh, I keep interrupting you. I'm so excited. That's your gold star. It's your gold star. It is. It's my gold gold star because it's kind of like a, it's an copper. antique gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's your copper gold star. Um, yes. I will say this again, and I didn't mean to say, I realize that I have an assumption that when I say that's a great value, I am coming from a place of wide, big knowledge around trade and consumption and all the opportunities that we have to make things in this world, I'm coming from a world of mass consumption and build. And to hear that there's a place in Wisconsin in which we've, we're pretty sure we're not, I'm not going to quote us is hundred percent on this, but it's sourced, died, created there. It's, that's a great price for that mm-hmm. skein because I've seen skeins of yarn that size, that quality, for far more for a outside operation in which involves a lot more freight, which means it's shipping from another location. There's a larger carbon footprint. And I think that people are becoming more and more aware of how important local is over organic or how local is versus, you know, um, yeah, we're doing all the right things in this one region, but it's still going to cost you a lot to get it here. You know, so there's, there's some things about that. And I just, I love that you're bringing some awareness to that brand. It's awesome. And I love that she did it. So I'm just looking at her website now and it says it is wool that is from Midwestern farms. So it's not all from Mm -hmm. the wool isn't all from Wisconsin, but it's all from the Midwest. And then it's spun in Wisconsin. Cool. So I think we should do a field trip. That would be okay by me. Right? Well, and also there's a sock dyeing yarn, sock yarn dyeing program that I was looking at up uh, a little north of here. Mm -hmm. And um, seriously, the summertime means less snow and it means more time to do things. So we got a lot of things to do. And can I give my gold star? I got real excited. Yeah, you don't have to ask permission. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, my phone's at 6%, so I'm going to go to it. and that's because I charge as long as I could, but here we are. Um, I had a magical moment today at Goodwill. We went, you know, I went out with Chris. We were supposed to do our errands at lunchtime. I was working from home. We had all these errands to do. And he threw out, he's like, do you want to go to Goodwill? Just like check things out. And I was like, no, 
we have plans and, and a budget and whatever. And he's like, I just want to look. And when we got to Goodwill, the first thing, this is the magic of, of a weird interaction that we have from time to time, or I think people have from time to time. The first thing I see at Goodwill is a big bowl. It's a big stoneware bowl, big ceramic stoneware bowl. I say stoneware and ceramic together. And someone out there is going to just crucify me for this. But anyways, the point is, is that it was a big, beautiful bowl. And I turn it over and it's handwritten on the back, on the bottom of it. It says Stockholm Pottery and Mercantile. Anything, anytime I see something that's handwritten, I stop, I pause, I go, what? Tell me more. And this is at Goodwill. And I'm not going to say the price because I think it's completely unfair, not just for the quality of this goods, but it's Stockholm Pottery and Mercantile in Stockholm, Wisconsin. And Chris and I have already like looked at it and we're planning on how we can get there to check it out more because this bowl is so big. The bowl that we have is massive and we only needed the one bowl to make two different types of breads today. And it was so heavy that we didn't have to freak out or worry about how we were mixing it or doing things. It was just heavy and great. And we both were just amazed by how good of the quality of that bowl. So that's my gold star. It was just another Wisconsin product. Maybe the theme is Wisconsin's amazing, but what else? We'll just go there. Sounds like a springtime field trip to me. I, I really do think that there's so much to uncover in all these small towns and neighborhoods because it's not that these are big booming industries and we all need to get on this wave of things, but I do love seeing places where our things are made. That's what I really love. Definitely. So, yeah, that's my gold star was the Stockholm pottery and mercantile bowl that we got at Goodwill today that I was like, just so impressed with the quality of it. So impressed. Cool. And I'm so excited that you had a Wisconsin yarn. I we didn't even plan this in advance, guys. We didn't. You're right. Sorry. I just, I know that we naturally are like, Wisconsin, yay. But we didn't talk. We didn't say what our gold stars were for. Yeah. This is pretty cool. Story I did it. happened. And anyone who's following along, I've definitely had three beers. So this feels very magical. But... <laughs> <laughs> and on that but... note, thank you all for listening. Yes. Um, you can find us at uh, our website, stitchcraftsisters.com. Our podcast, you are listening to it, so you already know <laughs> that it's available on iTunes. But you can also find us on Instagram at uh, Stitchcraft Sisters. And on Ravelry, we have a group, um, Stitchcraft Podcast. You can comment us anywhere, reach out to us on any of those platforms, correct us when we're stupid and incorrect. Mm-hmm. We want to know the or- truth. You could also ask us, tell me, tell me more about X amount of these producers, like yarns, crafts, beer. And if you want some tarot card stuff, hit me up, girl. Let's do this. Or just some advice. We might give that too. Because, you know, we're sisters. Um, I will say this. Our website is a little on the slow and building side, but we do hope to build that out a little bit more. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.
Bye. Bye.